Hey, welcome to the Chillinois podcast. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? Hey, I'm trying a new thing. I just wanted to like get straight into the conversation instead yeah. of like the formal introduction. I mean, I am going to have Perfect. you introduce yourself, oh, yeah. but uh, you know, how, how was your day? You have a good day? It was good. Yeah. Busy. Very busy. <laughs> Same here. But today was a good day for me as well. So yeah. that's good to hear. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Can you please uh, introduce yourself to the audience of the Chillinois podcast? Yes. So I am Rebecca Abraham. I am a registered nurse and I am the owner and founder of Acute on Chronic, Illinois' first uh, nursing cannabis consultant kind of firm uh, clinic. Um, we are three nurses um, and one physician that provides cannabis education and guidance to patients. And I'm really excited to be here ever since I've heard your work. Uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts on cannabis. So it's really cool to be here. <laughs> Whoa, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, um, I was doing a little like digging around on the internet and I just wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to a local content creator, just awesome work that I think you were on their show. Cannabev, weren't you on Cannabev? Yeah, he's great too, yeah, Chris. So yes. I want to give a shout out for Chris. Um, uh, definitely deserves that. So check out Cannabev on YouTube, folks. Just want to plug the youtube.com slash C slash Cannabev. That's the way to get to his YouTube channel. So anyways, yes. but... I endorse uh, that too. He's he's my other favorite podcast. Yeah, got got to support our local <laughs> yes. Chinoans, you know. So, um, acute on chronic. Yeah. You were saying that uh, that you provide. Well, I'm looking at your description here. You provide clarity uh, on cannabinoids, you cannabis yes. education. You help people mm -hmm. get their medical cannabis card yep. or support. Um, so, um, all of that good stuff. I got to yes. say right right before we dive into it, thank you for the service that you do. Oh, you're welcome. I love doing it. I've been a nurse for ooh, 13 years. Uh, it's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. So I love it. Yeah. My mom's a nurse, so got a oh. special place in my heart yes. for nurses, uh, especially the ones that uh, coach me through the appointment because I have anxiety for some reason like I, I again I was thanking you for your work because you do great work but for some reason when I get into a, a doctor's office or a medical setting I get really weird it's uh have you uh, are you a fan of the office uh yeah so <laughs> I, mean, this, I haven't watched it for years but yeah there's this scene where um I think Andy is like wanting to get like a piercing or something and I think like um uh, one of the characters is going to do it, not a professional. And she was just going to wipe off his arm. And he's like nervous. She's, she's going to wipe off his arm before she like did it. And he's like, oh, son of a bitch. He's like, she's like, I didn't even do anything to you yet. That is me. I, I'm that, just like, that have, I've, yeah, I've had those people where you clean their skin and they're like, ah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I freak didn't out. Do anything. Yes. It's like, I'm not even about to poke you. I'm just cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so we do something really unique and different, but probably needed. And so we're kind of at the intersection of policy, but mm -hmm. also um, cannabis, but more the medicinal side of cannabis. But I do hesitate to say that because I will say our recreational market is also medicinal. It's just sure. people without cards. So, yeah, yeah, we call it a or I've been. Mark Wasserman uh, has taught me to call it adult use because like when you think recreational it's like 
a recreational softball like it's something that i choose to do like no it's not, you know maybe yes maybe you do choose to do it but maybe you get a benefit out of it right yeah so so yeah um so i'll explain what i do um so um the listeners and you may have noticed that when you've gone to your doctor nurse practitioner really any physician um and you've tried to talk about cannabis you mm-hmm. get a handful of responses, either, oh God, I, no, don't use that. <laughs> um, you get the second, which is, I don't know anything about it. I don't know. And then you get the third, like, oh yeah, I've heard great things. You should try that for your pain, sleep, anxiety, fibromyalgia. Uh, and then the patient, and that's that's a great response. That's what we want. Uh, and then the patient goes, okay, doctor, how, what do I do first? And they say, we'll go to the dispensary and they'll help you. Uh, patient goes to the dispensary and in that interaction, they either get um, misguided, not all their questions answered or poor information um, or one of the worst things that I've seen is just made up information. Sure. Um, so cannabis nurses are in the middle of both parties, dispensaries and physicians to guide people towards well-made quality products um to use research um, so i do a literature review for each patient fresh um, to guide them on route of administration so that's how you take your cannabis because that matters Uh, and then a dosing range cannabis and botanicals in general are super unique and not like anything else we kind of use today in american medicine um and our brains even you know us on the clinical side our brains are not used to one plant doing three different things at one time Mm -hmm. um so it does need guidance and it's also really tricky because cannabis is something called a biphasic effect which means too little you feel nothing too much you feel Mm -hmm. everything so cannabis nurses um guide people and in the end we save folks money take away guessing games and provide relief later also as we're going to probably deep dive into there's a lot of drug interactions with cannabis um there's over 70. So if you're on a medication or supplement, it probably interacts with your CBD or cannabis. Taking a note on that, just in case uh, we for lest we forget um, yeah. drug interactions with cannabis. So um, yeah, thank you so much for bridging that gap. I just want to say, first of all, because like you say, uh, the story usually goes, you go and see your doctor, they give you the recommendation for the card and that's key. Um, you get your card and you go to the dispensary and you're kind of at the disposal of whoever you're dealing with that day. And, um, you might have a great experience. You may have an awful experience. Um, and the, the fact that it's even a toss up is, is precisely the problem. Um, and I want to just return to the wording that I said was important recommendation versus prescription. Um, with prescription, you know, you, you, it's a guided process. You go to mm-hmm. a location. I mean, it doesn't have to be designated. I think I've gotten a prescription in the past. It's like, you can go to any Walgreens, you know, just yeah. go, go to the Walgreens and they'll, they'll help you out. Um, but the key is though, like when you get to that Walgreens, they're not going to be like, Oh, we're out of that. Uh, do you want to like try this? Like, uh, <laughs> You know, like that never happens. I am so glad you brought that up. So even when I am with patients, so I have 
a couple of older folks who were very scared to go to the dispensary. And early when I started my business, I had more time. So I would take them myself. Uh, we would go together. I would give my, so I make everyone an individual care plan. I would give the list to the bud tender and they would just start switching out products. And I was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And they would say, oh, this is on sale. And it would be the equivalent of you going to Walgreens and filling a prescription for an opioid, Vicodin. And the pharmacist saying, oh, I just gave you Motrin. It was on sale today. Um, It's it's this very, yeah, it, it's just, um, it's not a therapeutic mindset and, um, you could really be kind of messing up somebody's regimen. And I have seen that that happened to a couple of clients, uh, this week, I gave them the care plan and the, uh, button tender without asking terrified my client's family and just started second guessing everything I did, um, wow. which would be fine if they had this clinical base that I had. So if this person was another pharmacist, you know, a nurse, a physician question away, but for this particular patient, I had spent six hours reviewing literature to make their very specific plan. I did a 45 minute assessment for a bud tender to say, Ooh, I don't know about this. Why don't you try this? And it worried the family because they were like, Oh, this person was so confident. (laughs) Uh And it made them kind of second guess. And so that is kind of, that's exactly what's happening. And it makes me bonkers. Well, we're in 2021 credentials, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I'm just joking. You know what I mean though? Everybody's their own doctor this this year, you know? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. um, And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. And it's unfortunate that that, that that happens. Um, it's it's what is your take on it i think like it's kind of a result of obviously criminalization of cannabis like obviously but like we're in a kind of like a catch-22 loop where it's like we're not allowing federal studies on the product so that we can make any meaningful advancements in cannabis medicine yet we're allowing people to take cannabis medicine just like kind of wild wild west yeah it's a very 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 strange gray area um there are a lot of calls to open up the research um the research i read and pull from in my work when i'm educating somebody when i'm educating physicians is actually global most of it is not coming from the united states Right. Um, we're falling behind. Um, and what worries me, though, is the cannabis industry um, may be part of the problem in not making this progress faster is because while, you know, you have these very corporate cannabis companies saying we want this is a medicine, this is a medicine, this is a medicine. At the same time, they refuse to work with nurses and doctors. Yeah. Uh, because as I have been told by unnamed people, um, why would we use a nurse? We're already making money. What do we care? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, and that's, that's why I am such a squeaky wheel and trying to squawk from the rooftops that cannabis nurses exist, um, Mm -hmm. is because the more patients know that we exist, they tell their doctors and more doctors and providers found out, find out we we exist, 
they tell their patients. And so then they kind of avoid getting misguided. Cannabis is taken more seriously um, and the industry is better for it. And everybody still wins. Uh, the you know small growers, corporate growers, when patients use cannabis and find the right dose and know that this is what they want to use for the rest of their life, you are going to get $300 to $1,000 forever from that person um, and they won't be mad at you that your bud tender gave them 100 milligrams of an edible and they fell and they had a bleed and they ended up in the ER. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, before um, we segue into my next point, I just want to yeah. return really quick to Acute on Chronic. Do you yeah. guys, do you have a website? Any yes. plug? Yeah. Yeah. So www.acuteonchronic.com. Um, on there, you know, you could find our services. And so we do something different than kind of your average um, place to get a medical card. Um, I like to think we do it the correct way. So um, we encourage you to collaborate with your doctor. We want to collaborate with your doctor. But if you don't, um, we either find you a doctor that you do feel comfortable talking to, um, or we will continue working with you just to be sure that you're educated. Um, and we make sure that you know exactly what you're doing prior to getting your medical card. Then we have a relationship with you for you to ask us questions and we could care navigate for you. And then by the time you meet our physician, you're knowledgeable about cannabis and you know what's going to work for you. Um, we're about comparable in pricing to your Verilife's, um, your other kind of local card doctors out there, except with them, you see them for 10 minutes, they say nothing. Um, with us, you're getting a, five appointments to eight appointments with really in-depth education and knowledge. So, and collaboration. So, That's awesome. Again, thank you for the service you provide for the community Thanks. because what I'm about to segue to, it, it relates to what we're talking about, but I wanted to yeah make yeah. sure to get those plugs in. Um, folks, uh, check the podcast description. If you just want to copy and paste that website into your browser, click it. It'll open up. Um, also, the Instagram handle for Acute on Chronic is going to be in there. You guys on Twitter? Yeah, we're on Twitter. It's Acute on Chronic. Boom. That'll be in the uh, podcast yeah. description as well. Um, Facebook so. as well. And then oh, TikTok sweet. coming soon. <laughs> TikTok coming soon. Pow, yeah. pow. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, uh, you brought up a great point. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you were talking about like, why would we include doctors? We're already making money. Um, and give me a moment. I'm trying to figure out how to say get this thought out but the like the idea i'm trying to say is that it's almost like they're looking at it like keep it simple stupid like uh advancement hurts us if we because here's the thing like this is one of the first like big things i for myself that i like noticed about cannabis and wanted to take on and i talk about it all the time is like the idea that we sell cannabis by indica sativa and hybrid and like now you know yeah sure some cultivators are talking about terps and the entourage effect and you know so on and so forth but still um it just feels a little ancillary it feels a little like uh i'll just be honest a little bit pseudoscientific sometimes which seems like contrary to the roots of the movement because we're, we're trying to be like scientific about it like hey cannabis is a better option for you than 
you know, opioids or whatever else it may yes. be. Um, so just, I guess, to wrap up my thought, um, you know, people have talked about the problems with medical cannabis, the rollout of adult use cannabis, um, the, the fact that we don't have the right to grow. Uh, everybody doesn't have the right to grow. Only medical patients have the right to yeah. grow, which, you know, that's awesome. It's, it's a good victory. I'll take, take what I can get. Um, but we, ha- I have to like, we have to remind ourselves like who's lobbying they are and, um, they're going to lobby against things that, you know, get in the way of them just profiting simply. And I truly think that it, the watered down version of cannabis that we're exp- experiencing is allowing them to profit simply. Yes. I have so much to say about this. Um, so the first thing you are dead on, it is pseudoscience, even um, indica sativa. And if this is the first time you're hearing somebody say this to the listeners, um, you are not alone. Uh, people in medicine, nurses, even people in the cannabis industry did not know this. Um, I just stumbled upon many a paper and it's part of what my organization, the American Cannabis Nurses Association kind of teaches its members. And so indica and sativa, are nonsense words. Um, They don't actually exist. We should be thinking about cannabis in chemovars. And there's technically five different plant variations. There is THC dominant, CBD, THC. There is CBG, which is, if we allow it to happen, is going to have really cool, probably clinical properties in the next 10 to 20 years. Uh, Then you have your CBD, that's your hemp. And then you have your industrial hemp, that is um, listed as no cannabinoids, but I suspect that there's even probably some benefits there because now we're learning from patients as we always do. Um, It's always a very grassroots movement and that leads to the science of cannabis as we've seen in the last 30 to 40 years. But you can actually take a whole plant of cannabis and take that CBDA, CBGA or THCA and it, if you put it into a smoothie, it has therapeutic properties, which leads into the issue of growing absolutely more people should be allowed to grow um it's therapeutic to garden um there's therapeutic kind of recreational physical health benefits to that but as well there's something to be said about growing your own food and medicine um what's also great about that is we can't completely trust the industry even within state guidelines to do what is right Um, because whenever there's a profit at stake people are going to lean into making money unfortunately Um, which is why I always try to um, lift up and push forward you know local CBD manufacturers local growers folks that I know are legitimately good people who of course like we all need money to live within the system but aren't only in it to make a profit. Um, Third point, lobbying. Uh, That's a really great point. So yes, if we do not have a grassroots movement of cannabis users and patients, as well as like lay people. So even if you have only used cannabis once or twice and you're like, yeah, my dad does it or my grandma or my baby cousin, like you have to get into this movement because cannabis Plant-based cannabis is the best form of cannabis. It does better than Marinol in clinical trials. Um, It also doesn't have any detrimental side effects. You cannot die from plant-based cannabis. You can die uh, from synthetic cannabinoids. So we want to avoid those. So where am I going with this? So grassroots movement, because if it is not for the people and by the people, your cannabis 
your low cost, very safe cannabis is going to become just as expensive as your pharmaceuticals taken over by that industry and altered in a synthetic fashion. We do not want that to happen. We already have a healthcare access issue in this country that we need to also push to make better and include cannabis in as a low cost option. Um, but we do not want this to happen. So that's the other part of acute on chronic that I'm working on developing. So besides being very clinical in nature and helping in guiding people with research and talking to their doctors and helping with the plan of care is I am looking to collaborate with other nonprofits and grassroots lobbying organizations that put patients first so we could fight for the patient. Um, so currently oh, yeah. legislation I want to work on uh, removing THC testing entirely in Illinois from working people. Um, cannabis is legal, but it's not because if you are a person with a service industry job, a nurse, you work in healthcare, um, if you have any kind of, you know, not very, you know, if you don't have like, I don't even know how to describe it. There if you're few... in law enforcement, those motherfuckers <laughs> need it the most. I'm just saying. Yes. You know what? Yes. Um, yeah. Folks who have very like high powered kind of pedigree jobs where they went to many years of school, those folks, they have legal cannabis. They're not drug tested. Nobody cares. Nobody's questioning. In fact, it's talked about used in a lot of these like kind of, you know, circles of influence. But yeah. if you are a working person, if you are waged, you know, you do not have that same access. You don't have that same privilege. And that's nonsense. Um, I have stronger words for it, but I don't want you to get like kicked off Instagram. It's um, it's nonsense. Um, oh, hey, it we're, shouldn't exist. Let it fly. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just we, yeah, we don't have. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Yeah. Um, it's bullshit um, because we're still punishing the same people we've always been punishing with cannabis. So that's a first priority. And then nurses as a three million person group have power. Um, I know a lot of nurses who use cannabis. And there was a thing on Instagram today that I sassed <laughs> by Green Entrepreneur. They wrote a really irresponsible article that said, nurses, your nurse is stoned. And I was like, oh, good Lord, they're going to set us back another uh. five years. Um, nurses should have access to cannabis. They should have mm -hmm. access to CBD. And it's total trash that we get drug tested because it would be the equivalent, and this is the same in other similar industries, you know, it would be like telling someone you can you do this job, uh, but you can't drink coffee, no drinking on the weekends, right. uh, and right. forget taking ibuprofen. So that's kind of the thing that got my blood kind of boiling and why I pushed, especially after the year nurses have had, like, yeah. we need access to this, but then to kind of irresponsibly say that nurses are getting high before work, makes me want to scream because no of course we're not <laughs> like yeah. why would we do that that's awful um so yes uh people powered lobbying is going to be key and that's something i want to do you know as an kind of uh extended arm of my business and i don't know if it's going to be organically by creating my own 501c4 or by linking up with other various nonprofit groups or lobbying organizations, but it's something that needs to absolutely happen. And then of course the legalization of cannabis and then kind of pushing laws that make the industry safer. There are states that include pharmacists and nurses that are mandated to be in dispensaries and they aren't in Illinois. And I unfortunately have to see the detrimental effects that that has on people breast cancer patients getting ill-advised when they shouldn't be taking high doses of THC. 
taking high doses of THC, interacting with chemotherapy, uh, you know, 80-year-old uh, folks on Coumadin being told that there's no interaction and it's fine, then tripping and falling and having a huge bleed. Um, things like that are happening a lot and they're preventable and they shouldn't be. Um, so that's why we have to lobby. If the industry doesn't want to change on its own, even when there is something financial for them at stake, there is money to be made with working with us, um, yeah. then you have to force their hand through legislation. <laughs> Yeah. And hey, we should be clear uh, in case people, you know, aren't following us. Um, we've got a lot of uh, patient care specialists, bud tenders, whatever you want to call it, uh, that listen to the to the Chilomoy podcast. Um, we appreciate the work that you do. And, uh, you know, we're not trying to get in the way of you making a living. But the fact of the matter is you're put in a pretty rough position. And you guys know this, if you're listening right now, you've been at the, you know, I don't know what it's like on the other side of the counter, but I've seen uh, people being pretty upset or even having just, you not know, being upset, but, you know, having a pretty crazy experience like that. And the fact of the matter is, folks, like, I don't know, most people, uh, most of these people are doing like a retail job, but, but trying to give medical advice without any medical experience like i said it's 2021 forget credentials yeah. <laughs> this is like the embodiment of that and it's so uh like i say i'm not i don't want to shame our bud tenders because they're just doing a job trying to yeah. make a living you know um but i'm trying to acknowledge the tough spot they're in yes um and bud tenders do have you know a knowledge base that's important bud tenders know the products I can't possibly know, nor can my nurses, every product in every state, it's impossible. Um, bud tenders know that. Um, they know the ingredients. They know what's kosher. They know what's gluten-free. That's important for us. Um, but yeah, I the best advice I can give, and there are bud tenders who, you know, I'm friends with many of them. There are managers of certain dispensaries and bud tenders and folks who do work in the industry who are trying their best to give responsible care. Um, so yes, yeah, I, I am not shaming anyone and you've yeah. been put in a pretty trashy position by your, you know, the corporate folks, many levels above, you know, us yeah. working folks. So it's I mean, not your fault. Let's start with the menu. We were just talking about it. Cannabis is separated into indica, sativa, and hybrid vi variants. And this is just something I written in the past that I was referencing. As I understand it, the label sativa and indica, and this is really the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about. Sativa and indica cannot be used as a reliable indicator of a physiological response. Yes. As I understand it in the past, sativa and indica, like you, I just wanted to make sure that people like don't freak out. Like sativa and indica, they're valid words, uh, but they were in the past used as a subspecies classification for cannabis. These terms have colloquially uh, been used to describe morphological characteristics and physical adaptations of the cannabis plant, for example, broad leaves versus narrow leaves, adaptations to survive in high humidity, altitude, etc. And from what I can tell, these terms have not historically been used to describe physiological effects of a cannabis chemovar. Um, yes. Yeah, Got or it. variety. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I... It's uh, th what's funny is that the word and I like to make this point, the word strain, we've gotten to know it in 2021 because it's borrowed from microbiology yes. and it's mainly used to describe a genetic variant or subtype yes. of bacteria, fungus or but virus. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, 
there uh, is a famous kind of TikTok doctor that has really good clinical takes. I think he's an ophthalmologist. Uh, and he says, what is the one thing in your special, like in your specialization that really bothers you and probably doesn't bother anyone else? And it's the word strain. I'm like, it's a variation of a germ. Yes. <laughs> it is not a variation of flower. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's to be done next in cannabis? So how do we make this better? So I would say if you're a bud tender listening, um, we could work together in a responsible way. You know the products. I know healthcare. You know I know how to educate patients. I know how to look for interactions. And I know how to talk to their doctor because if the patient goes back to their physician with incorrect information, the physician will stop recommending cannabis. And I've seen this. Um, and that's mm. going to you know, hurt our industry that we fought so hard to get and we don't want it discredited. Um, And we want them to keep recommending cannabis and we want them to push their institutions to grow the research and to grow the field. And we want them to encourage patients to use cannabis. Um, I gave a talk at an academic medical center for a group of physicians, um, one of the top 20 hospitals in the country, in fact. And the doctor said, I am so happy that there is a formal critical care nurse doing this work because I was really optimistic about cannabis when I read some of the studies. And I sent a handful of patients to the dispensaries and the results were pretty bad and they were coming back with a lot of bad information. And then I just stopped recommending it. So I think I'm gonna start again. And so we can't have that play out because that's going to, you know, kind of pigeonhole the industry in this weird place where pharmaceutical companies are going to overtake it. And then the rest of it, plant-based cannabis is going to be shoved in some corner with essential oils uh, and, you know, the vitamin aisle. We don't want that. (laughs) So if you don't know, say, I don't know the answer to that. Don't make things up is kind of my point. Um, Refer to us. Be like, hey, I know this cannabis nurse. If you see our work, don't don't switch people's care plans, please, (laughs) because you don't know the drug interactions. You don't know their history. Don't do it. You don't know their allergies. Um, And if you are one of the folks who have in the unfortunate weird position of being called a wellness advisor, patient advocate, you're in a sticky situation because I know rent has to be paid, um, but just try to turf out questions as much as you can. And again, you are putting in that really awkward place um, by, you know, people in C-suites that should know better than to health wash these things. Uh, But there's money to be made. So. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Really well said. Um, I want to talk to you because you mentioned when we were getting on the show that like, you know, and, and you just alluded to the fact that you were thinking of getting back into doing a nonprofit and stuff like yes. that. Um, what, um, do you have any victories, I guess, in the past that you want to talk about? Cause I think we had talked maybe about some things that you had lobbied for that, that were pretty awesome victories. Yeah, I have. Um, so I came to cannabis nursing after a really strange career path. Um, I was a critical care nurse for most of my nursing career. And then I did case management and policy and got into my hobby ended up being politics. Um, I was a Bernie bro. Um, I was a Bernie Sanders delegate 
twice. Um, and I joined a group, uh, a bipartisan group for women uh, to lobby uh, essentially for certain bills that would affect families. One of those particular bills actually was cannabis in Illinois. Um, so there, if you want to Google it just for fun, um, we had a luncheon with one of the uh candidates for governor in 2017 and a certain candidate who I hope has changed his mind um, came to us a group of moms I remember I had my daughter at the time holding her and he said I don't want to legalize cannabis because I just think it's harmful uh, this particular candidate is on many many boards he did not win thank god um, and hopefully he's changed and he's a new person um, but I took my child and I I was like are you kidding me like you come he, he didn't wear any shoes to meet us he um, he was late and I was like you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you need to do your research. Like you're just wrong. Well, um, we spent a considerable amount of time organizing moms around the state from both parties to support legalized cannabis. And we got there uh, yeah. with the help of some super cool legislators. Um, but that uh, instance with our group uh, kind of was one nail in his race for governor. Um, probably there were several more missteps, uh, but that was a significant one in political circles. Uh, other wins, um, we had passed a vaccine bill um, back when vaccines were fashionable in 2015 um, <laughs> that took away um, a lot of the components of religious exemption. Um, so that's probably going to be really valuable um, in the next coming months as pediatric vaccines are out there. Um, and coming forward and I, I will say to folks who are nervous about vaccines i get i understand the rationale for your hesitancy i will say um that i am happy as a registered nurse to work with you in any capacity to help kind of process the fears but i get where those fears come from and it's because the pharmaceutical industry and the fda um yeah they haven't been good actors in a lot of ways in the past. And so I, there is, you know, we did get here as a country and a state through historical context. Um, but yeah, that is a totally different conversation. Yeah. Here's a quick, quick take yeah. on that though. I mean, this is, I feel like a good non by non, or it's a bipartisan take yeah. on it. If you look at all the power players on both sides of the aisle, they're all vaccinated. Just they saying. are. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So Perfect. other, other uh, wins, I was on a school board, um, for a brief period of time, two years, I did leave to focus on this work. I thought I would be a lot more useful um, advocating for cannabis um, and cannabis use throughout the country and in Illinois, um, as well as for other healthcare issues than I would have been on a school board. So I did leave. Gosh, there were other wins. Uh, we did an equal pay bill. Oh, my biggest one. I, I had uh, helped uh, National Nurses United in 2019, we had a pretty significant safe patient ratio bill. You might yeah. be thinking, what the hell is safe patient ratio? So when you go into a hospital, uh, the state of Illinois can give your nurse taking care of you uh, as many patients as they want. And what mm. could go wrong? Everything. Um, nurses, depending on where you're at in the hospital, should have limits um, for your safety. Um, and we don't. So um, I did lobby and testify. Uh, and it was historic because it was the first time a state beyond California 
got as far as it did. So I have some wins under my belt. Um, I did leave the electoral side of politics. I don't want to run for anything. I don't want to be elected anymore, but I do want to be an advocate and a grassroots lobbyist. Um, I'm not in it for money. I'm in it to make society better for everybody as well as, you know, my community. So, yeah. What can, like, what can you tell us about the process? Like, I don't know what lobbying is like. What what was the process like for lobbying for cannabis, like in Illinois? Yeah. Um, so how do you like, you know, like that old uh, Schoolhouse Rock cartoon, how a bill becomes a law. Yeah. Uh, lobbying is a lot easier than you think. It's made to look really scary um, because that's what the power players want you, the citizen, to think. So um, numbers of people matter. And there are two things that move things in politics, people or money. If you don't have the money, you have to have the people. So first step is petitions help, um, phone calls help, letters help, not form letters, but like individualized letters. When a politician gets a form letter, it's really not worth anything. And then showing up to their offices in Springfield is worth a ton. Showing up to their local offices, also just a ton. So essentially how to do this, you literally just make an appointment with their staff you email them and say, hey, I want to see my legislator. And they meet with you and you tell them, I want this, this, and this. Um, you don't technically have to reinvent the wheel. There's Illinois Normal doing a lot of good work with cannabis. Um, nursing associations are trying to do a lot of work with cannabis. There are the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. The American Nurses Association is trying, I'm sorry, the American Cannabis Nurses Association is also trying to do some work in this realm as well link up with one of them. And if you have time, get your neighbors to sign on. Um, politicians count people in numbers. So if one person goes to their office in Springfield, they kind of consider that like a hundred constituents feel the same way. And that is how the beginning steps are done. Hell yeah. That's, that's very interesting. And don't um, be afraid to do it either. And then to my mom out there and parents, um, one of the things that really altered my life is I became angrier when I got, uh, when I had kids, because I felt very pushed out of public life, as well as my career. Uh, and I just started going to legislators and fundraisers with my kids. And uh, it worked. And then other women started doing it, too. And so don't don't let childcare stop you. Like, bring your kids with. <laughs> yeah, it matters. It's, so. it's more effective, I would argue. I'd be like, get this lady out of here. This lady and her kids <laughs> out of here. Um, let's get her in and get her out. Um, yeah. So uh, what are some, like, key elements maybe of, like, Illinois, the Illinois cannabis law as it stands that you're really proud about? Uh, was, was there anything that you specifically fought hard about? Uh, was there anything that you feel like? I mean, we already talked about home grow, but, I mean, it's a fair topic to return to. Is there anything you feel like we missed out on? Like, is there something that was in the original draft that we lost? Uh, can you tell us? So yeah, one that? law, a part of the law that I like that not every state has, but unfortunately it's really going to be hard to prove or implement is the protection for recreational cannabis users and medicinal cannabis users against getting fired from their jobs. Not every state has that. And we're lucky to have it. Um, it, we have a governor that has been supportive of cannabis. And so we're really fortunate of, of that too. Yeah. Um, Mrs. 
I think we missed a lot and we could do a lot better. Here are the problems I Before see. Before you go to oh, yeah. uh, the misses, could uh, I want to make sure I understood you correctly. Did you say there are protections for medical cannabis patients? Yes, there are some, but the problem is, is these haven't really been tried in court yet. Um, and to prove that an employer fired you for cannabis um, is a tough one. So while sure. there is a law in place to protect people, it's it's better than nothing, uh, but it is a lot of work to make that law work in your favor. Gotcha. If that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, big thing you said is it's yet to be seen. So, folks, if you want to make precedent, by all means. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't be the guinea pig for it. I'd wait and see and if you're asking I actually my personal advice. One hundred percent. And I say this as somebody who is currently and I'm happy to share my story. Uh, I actually have to take a drug test myself, which is the peak of irony for a cannabis <laughs> nurse. Uh, my husband asked how it feels to work with cannabis every day and not be able to use it. And it's it's kind of like a certain kind of torture. I feel like it would be like if you were an alcoholic, but you still worked as a bartender or like a yeah. former alcoholic. It would it would be horrible. Um so I am getting my doctorate of nursing. Um, this work has pushed me to want to go further, um, you know, get credentialed, push research, push clinical institutions to really embrace cannabis and use it. That's the entire body of my work. I applied to my institution saying this in my application. I told my advisor, this is where I want to focus my research on. And then I'm still told like, we're so sorry, Rebecca, you still have to take this drug test. So mm -hmm. I, I speak from a place of knowledge. I have my medical card. I have migraines. Cannabis works better than anything else. Um, and it's the safest substance I can use too, which is probably true for a lot of your listeners as well. Well, I have to take a drug test. So um, I take CBD daily. That means I could absolutely test positive for THC. Sure. I did stop. I have a lot of migraines these days. Um, but um, I did email like, I technically, uh, you know, you have to accommodate me, please accommodate me. Like, am I getting kicked out of school? Like just a lot of emails. Um, and even I am afraid to kind of try to see what happens if I test sure. positive, because while it seems like the institution will support me, um, I have to do clinicals in a hospital and those hospitals can say, no, thank you. Right. Um, and then cite federal law while ignoring that hemp makes you test positive too. So I am in the thick of it as well. So yes, if you want to set precedent and you have a friend that's a lawyer that wants to set precedent and you, or you have uh -huh. a stack of money and you want to kind of yeah. save other people from this, um, go for it, right. <laughs> uh, please. Right. Please do. Um, so yeah, uh, sorry. I just wanted to make sure that oh, was clear. Okay. You were going to talk about like maybe some of the misses. Uh, yeah, the misses. Um, the equity rollout was not well done. We still see like there's no licenses. Where are the growers? Um, this is not good because impact on my company's work is when patients are like, what should I use? It's really hard to find a variety of products. There are very few products out there. Um, the variety of administration routes are low. There's a lot of people who don't want to vape or smoke. Uh, and I'm looking for patches, vaginal suppositories, creams, various edibles, dosing in edibles, various cannabinoids. And they are not to be found. So yeah. the equity licenses trickle down into a lack of diverse products. 
and a lack of kind of small batch quality products that I would want to recommend. Um, and then just in general, um, that's just kind of an injustice and a travesty in itself. Also work to like roll that into the fact that we're still drug testing people and we don't have equity, right? Because um, when I first started my business, I did get calls, hey, you are union associated, you're a woman, you're a small business, we wanna put you on our application, we'll give you money. I said, no, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but people did that. Um, you know, so that yeah. so the equity issue is a big, super duper miss. Hopefully we rectify it and fast. Um, the second is lack of diversity um, in products as well as owners, growers, everything. Um, third problem, we don't have implementation of a nurse on site. There's really no punishment at all you know a dispensary can say whatever they want regarding cannabis and i tested this i went with my business partner just for fun to kind of like see what folks say um and you know like i said there are wonderful bud tenders who are like yeah this isn't gonna do that or like you know i think you should talk to your doctor but um i went in and i said i'm tired does this does this flower work and i got this whole like yeah it's really great for sleep it'll do this and this and this and my partner, he said, uh, I need energy during the day. Like, is this going to help? Same product, whole different, yeah. you know, made up pseudoscience story. Um, so we're misguiding people. And that's a, a pretty big miss. The prices are bonkers. That's another miss. It's nice. I mean, the, the taxes for the adult use uh, cannabis, you know, um, they do have their benefits. The state was in a massive deficit, you know, when we lobbied, you know, legislators for this in 2016, 2017, we said cannabis is going to be the way you fix the deficit. And indeed, that was true. Um, so I don't think taxing adult use is necessarily a bad thing, but I do think giving easier access to get a medical card, um, obtain a medical card should exist. And I don't mean by these folks with their pop-up shops. Um, to deep dive into that problem, the IDPH uh, registration system is a mess. One out of every three clients that I have has a technical glitch on the side of IDPH even after certification. That takes weeks to fix, huh. what, which like, is not good. And what is that caused by? I don't know. Um, yeah, what happens is you'll have the doctor certify, they do everything right. Um, then you have the patient do their side of the application and IDPH cannot, like, it's not connecting. Interesting. Well, um, and makes, I've seen that happen a bit. Yeah. Makes sense for what, uh, I've experienced. Cause yeah, I had to recently recertify and I'm, certified but they got my allotment wrong i'm like that's not my allotment my allotment should be more and my doctor's like i submitted the paperwork and they're like i did it again like just for the fuck yeah. of it i did it again and uh yeah i don't know what's going on with it but um you know another thing that is unfortunate you mentioned like having a totally different experience you know asking about the same pro uh, product we've recently heard about and people have affirmed it. They're like, oh, yeah, not only is this regular practice in most states and most dispensaries, but, like, yeah, I've personally received the directive myself and done it. 
um, they hold back product so that they can push other product. And that was literally the language that was used with me. Um, the directive that an employee got, hold this back, put it invisible on the menu so that we can push this. In other words, don't even let the people know. And what if it's an effective product? Yeah. You know? Think if Walgreens I, did that. Right. <laughs> Sorry, we're out of your lisinopril today, but don't worry. <laughs> we have yeah. this great beta blocker instead. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it's the same yeah. thing. Um, it's wrong and it shouldn't be done. I have also experienced that because, yeah, I'll find a product that works really well for somebody that, you know, takes away their chronic pain and then they've worked with their doctor and they're no longer on opioids. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then the product disappears and then we start from square one again. Yeah. And then we're trying to find a comparable, ooh, another miss. There are a lot of pain clinics out there where they will test people for cannabis or CBD. And if they use it, they will take away their opioids. That should be totally illegal. Like we're like, it's so unconscionable to do that to somebody. Um, there are only a couple pain clinics around that are still doing that. And I believe it's set by hospital policy, but holy moly, like we are really just going to make people suffer. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. If you're going to do opioids, yeah. you're going to do opioids like a man. You're only going to do opioids. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's insane because we want people to, you know, yeah, we, we obviously want people to, you know, try different ways to help their pain and opioids, they are harmful, you know, yeah. obviously like this is kind of more nuanced, but, you know, taking opioids briefly in the hospital after a surgery, after, you know, some kind of trauma, you, if you have chronic illness, like opioids are needed, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Taking them under the guidance of a doctor is fine. However, uh, you know, if there's something else that is more effective that you don't mind taking, that is where cannabis can be really great. Uh, I often talk, you know, my husband's a physician, my best friends are physicians, and we often talk like American medicine is really good at a lot of things. Uh, it is not good at chronic problems, not good at chronic pain, not good at chronic anxiety and stress. We don't address any kind of systemic issues that cause you know, health problems to begin with. Social determinants of health, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the word well, I'm looking for. That's because we're like, if we address any of those things, then you lose lifetime customers. Come on now. Yeah, the, um, there's a nursing theorist that I want to have everyone read. Um, it, it's an exciting read, I promise. Her name is Dr. Joanne Ashley, and she kind of got buried in nursing theorist world, but she's one of my favorite nursing theorists. So in 1978, years before it was fashionable, uh, and now her words are even truer, she said that there needs to be a revolution in healthcare because the current system cannot be fixed. Uh, it is the hospital system and an American hospital system is motivated by profit, racism, and patriarchy. And that shit is even truer today than it was 40 years ago when she wrote it. So check out her book. Um, it's hard to find, but you could digitally read it. Uh, she's great. And it's true. Um, yeah. If we address social determinants of health, if we address children, food crises, we address uh, food deserts. If we allow people to use plant-based preventative supplements like cannabis and CBD to prevent respiratory distress, opioid overuse, uh, small bowel obstructions, you know, uh, then we can't, you're right. Then, you know, 
People don't get elective surgeries as much, you know, they're not mm-hmm. paying for very expensive ICU care. Um, and it's because there's profits to be made for certain people. And I will say, just to like make it really clear, the people who are doing this are insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies um, and like large health conglomerates. It is not your nurses and doctors. Nurses and doctors, despite what you hear, you know, we don't, there's no benefit for you being sick to us. Um, you know, we really do want people to be better. So uh, we're on the same side. Doctors and nurses are working people that are just exploited as the patients. Um, so we're all kind of in this together, kind of pushing back against pharmaceuticals and insurance companies who lobby against things like safe access to cannabis and uh, food security and housing, yeah. you know, so... Um, so what do you think about like, um, what, this is a return, a recurring topic on our podcast lately, like the approach that we took with cannabis, the limited license approach versus the approach that other States, excuse me, have taken with cannabis. Um, I, the, really the reason I'm asking this question to get right to the point is I feel like while people have pointed to States like Washington and Oklahoma as problem States, um, as the liquor, the commissioner of liquor control uh, in Washington said, like he was asked his personal opinion, like, would you do it that way again? Which his job was just to enforce the law as it was drafted and everything else. But he was like, yeah, I would. Um, I know that things went wrong, but people knew what they were getting into. It's an open market. Everybody had a chance. And the way that I look at it is that any other approach um, – doesn't afford everybody a chance um you you possibly exclude people um therefore voiding them a chance and so um i'm starting to wonder myself like is the answer to social equity to give everybody a chance uh but admittedly i hear things from people that i think are more well-read than me that say maybe that's not the answer maybe it's somewhere in the middle what what was your take on it I think somewhere in the middle. So I don't think Washington and Oklahoma were failures. I actually think they did it more right than how we did it. Uh, And why that is, um, is it's so funny because we are such a capitalist country where everybody touts the free market and then we prevent the free market from happening. So Oklahoma had like a truly free market. Like you can get a cannabis card easier, just like I'm sick. And then they're like, oh, here you go. Yeah. and, and Mike Mike Fouché, just really quick from growing.com yeah. said you can just go on the website, pay five thousand bucks, and at the end of the transaction you have a cannabis license. Like it's yes. like just you know. Yeah. And the market sorts itself out. Um and patients and adult use users know what product is good and they know what products they don't like. Um, and while like you do still need um, us, your very pleasant and delightful cannabis clinicians, nurses, doctors, pharmacists to kind of help you flush out what is a safe product for you to use, you know, especially if you're immunocompromised um, or, you know, have, you know, a lot of medications, we're here to help you what figure out what is safe and what's good. But even from an adult use standpoint, you could literally taste the difference in some products. Like uh, I use vaporization is kind of like my example of this. So in Illinois, without naming names, so I don't find myself with a lawsuit tomorrow, (laughs) um, there is a vape pen that is high quality. I will say the high quality one. So um, GTI makes a product called Bebo. 
Um, it is expensive. It is $90. It's beautiful looking, um, but you can tell that it's CO2 extracted. So I always kind of encourage, you know, when you're first trying vaporization, sure, try a pen, but if you find that you like it, you might want to consider moving on to vaporizing flour, no middle person extracting your oil and just kind of a direct, um, you know, flour to your person. I always kind of educate to like whenever we put anything in our lungs that isn't room air, uh, there's always some sort of a risk of a carcinogen. So that's kind of my blanket, yes. blanket nurse statement, Thank you. you know, but we do know it's not as harmful at this point as tobacco smoke. So we yeah. have that going for us. Yeah. So um, that being said, so Bebo by GTI, CO2 extracted, high quality product. There's other cannabinoids within that. So I recommend it quite a bit for folks who, you know, who can tolerate vaporizing or want to try it. Uh, there is a, another product on the Illinois market. And this is the one I'm not going to name names. And you could literally taste like just how gross it is. Can you say what it um, rhymes with? I'm just joking. No, I would love to. It would be too. Um, I know that it's too uh, easy. Um, we, but, the, the market's um, too limited. People would know exactly yeah, who you're so, talking about. Um, butane extracted uh vapor butane extracted oils um and vaporization while illinois has set a control so we do have the best controls on in the country so our butane extraction limits are really low and you always need a solvent so i learned this from a chemist of a kind of up and coming hemp cbd group um, where people say solventless or there's no solvent they're lying it's chemistry you need a solvent um, but butane as a solvent even in a state where the limits are set pretty high to protect the consumer i do advise people to stay away from butane extracted products as much as possible because if you get butane in your product and you set it on fire it turns to benzene and benzene is a known carcinogen Mm, wow. Well, hold on now. Is it? I wanted to call you Nurse Rebecca, but I'm not sure that that's the actual no, that's, title. That's fine. I, it's true. I am a nurse. Our, okay. Yeah. Um, there. Are, am I wrong in saying that rosin would be solventless? Because like I've made it at home, and I made it with a, a freaking hair straightener. I did not use any solvents. I'm telling you, and I ended up with concentrate. So. so did I get you in a catch 20? <laughs> you know what? No, you don't know. Um, while this is definitely a question for a chemist. Um, yeah. I, hey, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Cause I, um, all I'll say is that if for folks that don't know, let's just give them a rundown. Cause I really don't know the answer. I was just, yeah. that was my only idea of, of anything that might be solventless for folks that don't know. Rosin is made by compressing cannabis with heat. So combination of pressure and heat and it, Create, just look it up on YouTube. It's fucking magical to say the least. Um, the process, because I mean, when you think about it, it is heat and pressure, and then this concentrate comes out. I don't understand it. I don't know how it works, but I just wanted to bring up that point. Um, really quick, the middle, you brought up the point of middle person extracting your oil. Today I posted um, an excerpt of lab, uh, the law uh, regarding laboratory testing. Um, if a cannabis sample fails a test, the batch may be used to make a CO2 solvent-based extract. I want to be clear, and this is in the law, after processing, the CO2 or solvent-based extract must still pass the required test. So it's not like, you know, I'm not saying, folks, that yeah. all the concentrate out there is bad because it's 
So it must still pass the test, but the fact is, I'm just saying, if you think about what might be in the concentrates and the edibles, which are made with concentrates, um, it's probably likely that it's product that they couldn't sell as uh, flour. In other words, it wasn't pretty or it wasn't passable, um, whatever whatever it may have been. Wanted to bring that up since you yeah middle yeah and if you were immunocompromised, um, so things that do get past those tests that we look at and we look for low levels, something called aspergillus is a pretty common fungus that grows on cannabis. Um, aspergillus for you and I, Cole, probably fine. We still don't want to like eat a bunch of it, um, but you know taking like a little bit it's a natural occurring fungus you know it can happen on like lettuce right yeah yeah um for somebody who has a is who's on steroids with a lower immunity already somebody who's on chemotherapy somebody who's something called neutropenic uh that is when um part of your white blood cell count is very very low and you can't fight off any infection like a common cold can land you in the hospital for those folks who do need sometimes cannabis to help with symptoms of chemo- chemotherapy, if they ingest that aspergillus, that's a problem for them. There's actually a pneumonia called aspergillus pneumonia that can land you in critical care. So this is why if you if you vape, you know, um, and you know you're going to vape for a long time, vape your flower (laughs) because you just you sometimes you don't know and you know we look this up for you but products change systems change and sometimes um you know even the coas change they're hard to obtain um so you just want to be as safe as possible absolutely absolutely um you know and one point that i feel uh i failed to mention the last time i had the conversation about Washington and Oklahoma, um, in these states that have taken a open approach, um, it seems like the only people that are upset are the big companies, the ones with the, that are the loudest. You know, they're really upset about it. And uh, you know, you you've seen I've I don't know if you've seen, but I've seen um, interviews with patients and customers from the states. Actually, uh, in the Vice interview that uh, that had that liquor control commissioner his like opinion on the matter um i think it the if folks are wanting to look it up it's called like what happens if a state grows too much weed by vice and it's interesting because you listen to the operators they're all complaining all of the patients and uh customers they seem pretty happy yeah that's 100 percent true um because the bad actors, folks making kind of the lower quality products who aren't diversifying or making the products that people want. And some of the products people want are more time consuming and more expensive to make. So people stay away from it. CO2 extraction methods are more expensive sometimes than butane. So that's why sometimes you don't see it happening quite as much. Um, Yeah, I I do think that's where Washington and Oklahoma had it right. The only thing that I would have added to it, you know, in a perfect world, if I were queen of Illinois, um, I would have done the Oklahoma way where like it is wide open. But if you are a working class person, um, you know, who has traditionally had a harder time starting a business, you know, um, somebody from, you know, the indigenous community, somebody from the black community, um, where the state then would give you funding to help you with startup costs, I think would have been a way better model. Absolutely. We need to create a social equity fund and people that don't fit into that category should 
uh, automatically pay equity license holder fees. And those equity license holder fees should go into like a social equity fund that's used yeah. to finance some social equity s- startups. I mean, if you want, and I'm quoting from uh, <laughs> the username's funny, but they're on Reddit, stranger in a van, um, yeah. <laughs> really well with, really well worded. They say, uh, if you want social equity candidate participation, you need to give them assistance with licensing and regulation. Yeah. You need a plan to get them capitalized without them having to sell off huge equity stakes of their business, which is what we're seeing, of course, in Illinois yeah. today with some of the few true candidates, you know, that maybe didn't have the connections that you needed. They're starting to sell off their ownership. Yeah. So and it's can- a shame because um, I actually grew up on the south side of Chicago, um, you know, I'm originally from around Midway. Um, and so knowing, you know, the surrounding communities, I grew up closer to like Westlawn, Ashburn, and then, you know, Oaklawn, Chicago Ridge. Um, but a lot of working people who are really interested in getting into cannabis, and they are working people, they did not have the capital for a social equity. And there are some people who were like, I'm going to go for it. This is my chance. I'm going to make a business. And they, double mortgaged their house they brought property they blew everything they had to try and get this license and they still have kind of nothing to show for it and that's i think we harmed more people than we helped and so we owed these folks kind of big in illinois yeah well i want to kick off this converse i want to kick off this conversation to close it's kind of a weird way of saying it but kick off this conversation to close the podcast um, we're a little bit over the top of the hour. Are you okay on time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Okay. I could talk for like 10 more hours. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Um, so uh, here's what I want people to focus on going forward. And I want I want you to, you know, add to this or, you know, if you disagree with anything I say, yeah. definitely take it on. But I, I think we need to, fo- we're, we're, we're like all over the place right now. Here's what we need to focus on, people. We need to focus on making cannabis truly legal for everybody. Um, possession limits, they have to go. I'm sorry, but the fact that possession limits still exist are uh, the people that support possession limits support criminalization of cannabis. I'm just saying, because if that's the penalty for exceeding your possession limit, then you're supportive of the criminalization of cannabis. Why are we continuing to put people in jail for something that's supposed to be legal, right? Yes, true. Agree. Cultivation. We we should have the civil li- civil liberty civil the civil liberty to cultivate cannabis. It doesn't matter who you are, what your medical condition is. You should be able to cultivate um, and consume and possess as much cannabis as you want, need, or please. Of course, if you're going to sell cannabis, I expect that you are subject to s- consumer safety standards and all of that stuff. That's a different conversation, you know, because. I talk about the need for everybody to support home grow and how some companies have uh, lobbied against home grow. And one company, um, they were like, we don't support banning home grow. We support legislation that limits the number of plants which can be grown for personal consumption. Okay, yeah, that's called supporting the criminalization of cannabis because yes. if you support limits, what, what's, the, what's the punishment for the limit? Oh, criminalization? Oh, you support criminalization for cannabis. Thank you for ma- making that clear. Like, it, these people, uh, it's crazy. At the end of the day, like, I, th- it's crazy that we kind of, it was a bait and switch. Like, oh, cannabis legalization, but it's not actually totally legal, and we're the only ones that can sell it to you and grow it, 
and, you know, like, and I, I just want people to, and I've got uh, one more point to make, um, but I want people to focus on at least that core, like actually making it legal. The second part of it is fighting for your protections. Um, you know, as a consumer of alcohol or any other substance, you can opt to tell people surrounding you about that or not. With cannabis, you don't have that choice. In the past, I think we may have talked about this, um, state police could run your plates and they could see your medical cannabis cardholder status. That is an invasion of the rights of a state-sanctioned right. I think that state-sanctioned right should allot you an amount of privacy. What do the, mm-hmm. Why does the state police need to know that? Yeah. Um, they, they share that information with the ATF, which prevents patients from obtaining firearms from FFLs, which, you know, some people don't, that's not the number one list on their priorities. But my point in that firearms, you know, some people could take them or leave them, you know, type of thing. Um, and that's to each their own. But my point on that is that your cannabis use should not invade on your civil liberty to do yes. anything. Yep. Um, the last point is non-citizens um the state of illinois actually post uh, posted on their cannabis resource site guidance for immigrant residents um illinois residents who are not u.s citizens can be adversely affected by purchasing possessing or consuming cannabis and they're just basically saying if you want to do it you they recommend you um consult with your immigration uh, your attorney a legal professional and i i totally recommend the same do not play games around the, with this because admission of use or possession of cannabis can result in denial of entry into the united states denial of citizenship or green card application or even lead to possible deportation proceedings um here's the thing there are some non-citizens that do have the state sanctioned right to use medical cannabis and i, I again i think that should afford you an amount of privacy. Yes. So to wrap up my thought, we need to fight for it being truly legal and we need to fight for protections of our civil liberties, not only protection to divulge the information if we want to, but it should not inhibit your right to do things. And, and agencies that have no right knowing that information should not have access to that information. So, sorry. 100%. Just like you know, these agencies shouldn't have access to your medical records. Same concept. Can you imagine yeah. if the state police can be like, oh, I wonder what they got from the pharmacy lately. Oh, Xanax. Like, that would be horrific. Right. Um, I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Um, the war on drugs continues um, just in more insidious ways because now we have populations of people that aren't affected by these laws kind of living their life freely and the same people who have been punished by these nonsense laws are continuing to be punished by more nonsense laws, which is now yep. like more under the table. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, it all continues. If people, I mean, people continue to be arrested for possession and consumption and uh, in states, I can't remember the article, but you probably read it recently in states where the New York, for example, they've seen a huge drop in that like in that being a anything that talks about it sorry i'm yeah. a little admitted no. a little high you yeah. know what headline i'm talking about yeah uh i've read this and it's actually happened in uh illinois somebody in the cannabis industry who i love and trust uh they're really big activists um check out um 
Colton Turner's foundation. Um, she was doing some legal work because even in Illinois, there's a transport law. So when you right. buy cannabis, be sure that no one can smell it because if you're in a car accident, thank you. If you get pulled over, you could get arrested for transporting your legal cannabis in a legal cannabis state where most of the state does not have public transportation or Ubers. So how the hell are you supposed to get your cannabis home? Yeah. Thank you for bringing up that point. I think this is the my like favorite podcast I've ever recorded because we're hitting all of the points that, that I love to hit, which is that's another one. They've made it impossible to comply. So in order to transport cannabis, like you say, the law calls for odor-proof, child-proof, um, resealable now. That that language did change. Um, and uh, so odor-proof, child-proof, resealable. Am I missing something? Uh, I think that's, yeah. I, I think, think that's, that's it. That's but the it. point is, odor-proof. Show me, okay, State of Illinois, you want that to be a requirement? Where can I buy one? Where can I buy a true odor-proof container? Because, and I've talked to people that uh, have had, you know, like that were a part of the canine unit. And they've, I mean, this dude, this one dude that I've talked about it on the show before, he literally showed me plaques on the wall. He's like, you see all these plaques? This is the work I've done with canines. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, it was kind of funny. He set the stage that way. And I'm like, so you know more than anybody else that uh, you've been busting people for years. Like if they figured it out, you know, you kind of would have gone out of business. You would have had to find a new job. Your dog would have had to go home. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as an odor-proof container. There's no such thing. Exactly. So, yeah, we have a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. And this was an awesome – I knew this podcast was going to be awesome. I'm so yeah. excited to be on because uh, oh. this is – I love the intersection of policy and nursing and cannabis. Um I'm happy to come back because this is this is great. I was gonna so. say you gotta come back. Yeah. Uh, acute Anytime. on chronic. Acute um, on chronic. Um the website again, acuteonchronic.com. Yep. www.acuteonchronic.com. We are on Instagram. I believe it's acute. Uh, hold on. I don't know my own Instagram. Hey, you Pause. Know I have it in my signature on my email. It's okay. It's acute on chronic RN420. That's what it is. Sorry, I'm an elder millennial. Forgive me. It's okay, folks. It'll be in the podcast description if you just want to copy and paste it to your Instagram you if you're listening so what you can do to support us so i am actively aggressively working to partner with a 501c3 or 501c4 until that happens how can you give money to support of anything that you want for grassroots lobbying to grow the science of cannabis how do you do that hire our nurses <laughs> when you hire us to do our your medical card and we give you education and send you to our doctor and collaborate with your doctor you are supporting regular old working people who are you know after we pay our bills what we're going to do is we are going to put that money towards essentially lobbying on your behalf and collaborate get petitions work on meeting with senators representatives you know folks who are appointed to cannabis positions to make the laws better for you um we are available to do consultations in 50 states we can only give uh, cannabis cards with our physician who's only licensed in illinois but we can certainly advise you know 
anyone in your family um, in other states. We do have other uh, nurses working in some other states. And if we can help you, we will send you to a cannabis clinician that can. Um, but this was awesome. And thanks for having me on. And yeah, I um, we are around to answer your questions <laughs> too on Instagram and Twitter and all those things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. I had a great time. Uh, folks, hope you found some value in this podcast. Hope it was entertaining, insightful, what have you. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Chillinoy podcast. Thank you to everybody that listens and supports us. We, we appreciate you so much. Till next time.